Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Now, crank it up. So the title of this episode might be another one that's a little misleading. Platinum crap <laughs> kind of says it all, but maybe it's not complete crap. Maybe it's just something that we don't necessarily think is worthy of platinum status. So I chose a couple of different terms. Let me see if I can get these right. Plat craptimnum or plat craptastic. Either one, go with either one. What's your take on all this, Hollywood? There's just some albums that when you go back and you kind of do the research and you start talking about them, you're like, how did this sell a million copies? Like the three albums I picked today, I barely ever listened to. And it's actually from three bands that I actually like some of their stuff. But they've got this album that I'm just like, wow, why? And then I started thinking, I do know why. I just still am in disbelief and I wish it wasn't. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think that the records that we chose, I don't know your records, you don't know mine, and we'll get into this eventually, but I think none of the records that I chose are a mystery as to why they went platinum. The mystery for me is how platinum they went and how revered the records are when I really don't think they're all that great. And that's just my take on that. So we'll go through each of our selections, give a few facts about them, talk about some stuff that we like about them and a lot of stuff that we probably don't like about them. And it's interesting that you say that you picked albums from bands that you pretty much like. It's the same situation for me. All three, or at least two of the three, are from bands that I would go so far as to say I love, truthfully, but they're just not my favorite records. And so I don't go back to them very often. But before we get into all that plat crap-tastic, platinum crap talk, we definitely got to get into a little bit of...
It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, so tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight is from a band called Southern Governor. Interesting name. Uh, This band is from Gainesboro, Virginia. It's a band made up of three brothers, and they were described as being sort of a heavy-hitting rock with a southern grunge, which I think is pretty fair based on the music that I've listened to so far. So check out Southern Governor. The name of the song is Memphis Train. So I listened to this song today. 
that's not up your alley, is it? It's better than the three albums I'm going to talk about today. Okay. I'll put it there. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I can't wait to hear what you're going to talk about. But <laughs> yeah, uh, when I picked out this song, I said, I don't think this is going to be up uh, Hollywood's Avenue of Love. But it's a fair comparison of heavy hitting rock with a, a Southern feel, but uh, sort of grungy. And I think that's just the sludgy guitar that they have going on, but I think it rocks pretty good. Some of the other stuff out there uh, is pretty rocking as well. They're on Spotify. You can check them out yourself. It's called, again, Southern Governor, uh, made up of three brothers, and the song is called Memphis Train. So go check it out. Let's get into Platinum Crap. So the idea today is there are some bands that sold a lot of albums in a particular time frame. Maybe it was lightning in the bottle they were experiencing on the way into this album. Maybe it was they had one ballad that is absolutely brutal beyond brutal, but it took it to popularity. They had maybe a soundtrack they jumped on and somehow got a top 10 hit. So it will be very interesting to know what our six collective albums are, because as you said before, we didn't share. Now, what we did share at the beginning before we started recording, I was a little concerned. I'm like, I'm thinking one of my picks you might have, you said to me, that is not possible. So, okay, we'll go with it. And you are going to be up first, my friend. All right. So we also decided that these were going to be pretty much hard rock or metal records because it would have been really easy for Sonny to go, uh, well, every Eagles album that sold 40 million copies or more, I hate. Take it easy. Take it easy. So I don't think it's necessarily about what we hate or don't hate. It's for me anyway. This is more about these are albums that are platinum that I just don't I don't get it because I don't think they're great records. It doesn't mean that I hate the band. It doesn't even mean that I hate the album because all three of these albums I don't necessarily hate. It's just I don't go to them often and I own every one of these records. I just don't go back to them often. I might pull a song off them here and there. So I'm going to open this thing up by talking about an album that was released in March of 1983 on the cusp of rock and roll, hard rock, glam rock, the whole shebang out there on the Sunset Strip. Van Halen released their first album in 78, and so by 83, the tides of rock and roll are starting to churn and people are wearing spandex and guitars are getting cranked up and this is a great time for rock and roll 1983 is primed and ready the third studio album released by quiet riot called metal health this was touted as being the first heavy metal album to ever reach the top spot of Billboard 200, replacing the police's synchronicity at number one in November of 1983. It was basically anchored by the Slade cover tune of Come On, Feel the Noise and the number 31 tune of Metal Health. 
Metal Health is one of those tunes on the record that I absolutely love. I think it's a great song. Can't not turn it up for that tune. I also like the tune Let's Get Crazy and Run for Cover. This record for me has a lot of crap on it. I did not like Slick Black, Cadillac, Don't Want to Let You Go, Loves a Bitch. 
They wrote Thunderbird for uh, Randy Rhodes, but I wasn't a big fan of that song. I just don't think this record is all that great. And I actually like some of their other records way better than I like this one. I guess all in all, I'm not a huge Quiet Riot fan, but definitely not a band that I dislike in any way, shape, or form. This record sold 6 million copies. I mean, holy shit. 6 million people bought Quiet Riot Metal Health. Was it the timing of it all? Was it the forefront of what exploded on the Sunset Strip? Maybe. And maybe it is all about timing. But come on, man. Just not that great of a record for me. Yeah, that record for me, it's not great. I own it. I love Metal Health. I think Come On, Feel the Noise is a great song. I actually like Slick Black Cadillac. And I don't know if you know this, but Randy Rhodes actually co-wrote that. So mm-hmm. those are actually the only three songs I like. I don't even like the ones that the other ones you like. But I don't listen to that album often. And if I would have really thought about it, that album had a shot to make my top three, but it didn't. The tough part about this is, is because the three songs I like, Metal Health, Come On, Feel the Noise, Slick Back, Cadillac, they're three of the first four songs. So yeah. if I don't have to get past that, I just didn't get past it. Man, Quiet Riot for me is a band that usually what ends up happening for the most part is I like half the album. Whatever album they put out, I usually end up yeah. liking half the album and the other half is a throwaway. And for me, that doesn't land them in my love circle. You know what I mean? If a band puts out a record and uh, more times than not, I only like half of it, then it's kind of like, meh, you know? The words love circle scare me a little. That 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 <laughs> that didn't sound right. I know what you're asking yourself, and the answer is yes. I have a nickname for my penis. It's called the Octagon. But I also nickname my testes. My left one is James Westfall, and my right one is Dr. Kenneth Noisewater. You ladies play your cards right, you just might get to meet the whole gang. Poonier in my love circle. Oh my god, I hope not. <laughs> okay, change the subject. My first pick. I went with Queensryche's Promised Land. So give you some stats. It released in October of 94. It went to number three on its debut week on Billboard 200. Wow. By the way, number one was Murder Was the Case, which is a soundtrack, and The Diary by Scarface, which was number two. Obviously, there was not much competition in October of 1994. IMI, Bridge, and Disconnected all charted on the mainstream rock, but... Uh, No other song uh, charted on the Billboard 100. Why did this CD album, whatever you want to call it, the 11 tracks on Promised Land, go platinum? Because they were coming off Rage, Mind Crime, and Empire. And Empire went three times platinum, and I think it's part name recognition. And after this album, they never hit gold again, which was 10 more albums. So it was one of those things where I think every successful band has got this One album that maybe wasn't that great, but because their prior two or three albums were outstanding, the fans went out and bought it. I went out and bought it because of it. Right after Empire, which is my favorite Queensryche album, I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next Queensryche album. Oh my God. I will tell you that the first four songs are 928, IMI, Damage, and Out of Mind, Waste of Time Intro, Grunge Queensryche, and Two Pieces of Unlistenable Trash. I mean, I cannot believe that this thing sold a million copies. Disappointed! And I don't know how many got returned or are in the 50 cent bin right now, but there's got to be quite a few. The only songs I can even tolerate on this album is Bridge, One More Time, and Someone Else. 
that shouldn't have to happen to a somewhat Queensryche fan. Like I enjoy them live. I enjoy them now. I enjoyed the last album. I enjoyed Rage for Order. Mind Crime's okay. It's not one of my favorites. I think it's a little overrated, but that's just my opinion. And I loved Empire. But oh my God, was this album a complete waste of time. And I really don't like grunge Queensryche or the opera musical theater shit that they dip in and out of on this thing. Like I listened to it the other day just to kind of refresh my, it was a hard, hard 11 song listen. It really was. (laughs) And I own this thing. Have you ever heard this album? I have. And in fact, I saw this tour and here's what I remember about this tour and this album. So this was the downward spiral for them. This is when they started going downward. It was also sucking. Yeah, it was also 94. Uh, I really do like I Am I.
Brothers. What now? Uh, I'm almost positive they started playing IMI on the most recent tour that they did before COVID. I think they may have played it on the ship a year before last, whenever that was. But yeah, there's a couple of songs on there that I like, but overall, I agree with you. And honestly, the biggest surprise for me is that it's platinum. I had no idea. If you'd have asked me if that album was platinum, I'd have been like, you're fucking crazy. Because when (laughs) when I saw this tour, they were giving away tickets. I mean, they couldn't, they played an amphitheater here in town. It was like COVID had already hit. <laughs> and that was like, <laughs> that was back in 94, dude. <laughs> I, I wished I could remember who opened for them, but uh, yeah, it was not good. They were not selling tickets. Uh, so I'm really surprised that record went uh, platinum because to your point, there was nothing other than the success of the previous albums they were riding on because they had no zero hits off of that record. Yeah. So it's a timing thing, right? Cause empire came out what at 90, it lasted forever cause they released like six or seven singles and just lucidity alone mm-hmm. put them on the charts, kept them there, kept them on MTV. They were a little bit of a bridge to grunge because they weren't really hair metal anyway. Right. So they weren't getting wiped off the planet. And I think everybody was just waiting for the next album. Yeah. It's kind of like load, right? Everybody was waiting for the next album, no matter what it's going platinum because everybody's waiting. Yeah. The one thing I can say about the three albums that I selected tonight is that they're all writing on both previous, well, not quite right. The next two are riding on previous success, but they also had hit singles on the record. Quiet Riot was an uh, anomaly and and had, you know, just timing. That was all about timing for Quiet Riot. Okay, share your next one. All right, so on to the next one, number two for me. And this one's probably going to piss off a lot of people. Man, is it going to probably piss off a lot of people. or People are just going to be like, you're crazy. I'm sorry. (sighs) Oh, my God, this is hard for me. Hysteria is the fourth studio album by English rock band Def Leppard, released on the 3rd of August, 1987 through Mercury Records, and it was reissued January 1st of 2000. It is Def Leppard's best-selling album to date, selling over 20 million copies worldwide, including 12 million in the U.S. and spawning seven, that's right, seven hit singles. The albums charted at number one on both Billboard 200 and the UK albums chart. Hysteria was produced by Robert John Mutt Lang, partially, if you know the story. Uh, The title of the album was thought up by drummer Rick Allen, referring to his 1984 car accident and the ensuing worldwide media coverage surrounding it. It is also the last album to feature guitarist Steve Clark before his death. The album is a follow-up to the band's 1983 breakthrough Pyromania, which is a Desert Island record for me. Hysteria's creation took over three years and was plagued by many delays. Lasting 62 minutes and 32 seconds, the album is the band's longest to date. Whenever that was written, they might they might have a longer one now. So songs that I like off of this record, I like "Pour Some Sugar on Me," I like "Gods of War," I like "Run Riot," I like "Don't Shoot Shotgun." Run for Kevin. Don't shoot 
I cannot get into hysteria, love bites, women, love and affection. This album to me is just overrated. And I'm a huge Def Leppard fan. I mean, I'm a huge Def Leppard fan. I own their entire catalog. But Hysteria is just one of those records for me. And I don't even think that it's fatigue. I mean, fatigue doesn't help. Don't get me wrong. But Hysteria for me is just a record that is way overrated. If you said Pyromania sold 12 million and had all these stats that Hysteria had, I would understand that. That's just how I feel about it. So Hysteria by Def Leppard, just overrated record. It's not hard to understand why it went platinum. That's understandable completely. But, you know, it's kind of crazy. They had a long break in between Pyromania and this record. And to be able to come back that strong, that's crazy to me. But anyway, that's my feelings. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh <laughs> This would have had no chance to make my list today. Um, this is a Desert Island record, right? Uh, no, it's not. Not oh, for okay. me. But yeah, there's some songs. Like, I don't really run riots, meh, excitables, meh, love and affection, meh. But uh, all the other songs, I actually like. And the problem here is you're not a huge ballad guy, so that's one problem. And the second is you want rocking Def Leppard. Mm -hmm. You don't want the panty dropper Def Leppard. And that's what this is. Yeah, I don't know if the panty-dropping thing is a fair assessment. See, you try to tie the fact that only ballads drop panties, and that's that's not true. So I No, don't, no, no. I'm talking about the other songs, too, that they're too polished. Like Women, that's a great song. I, I disagree. That was the first single, too, and it, I thought yeah. it was awful. I mean, you know, I mean, Pyromania is a pretty polished record. So I, I don't know if it's... Yeah, it's, of course it's more polished because technology kicked in, uh, what, four yeah. years later, five years later, whatever. So it's absolutely more polished. And it's not the production that bums me out. I like the production, but they they really, really pussified the guitars and buried them in the mix. And to me, that's just not, yeah, I don't like that. I like a little bit if they could bring the guitars a little bit more out front. You know, I would I would be interested to hear Hysteria where the guitars are more out front. Maybe I would like it better. I don't know. But yeah, it's not a, not one of my favorite records. I don't go to it often. And in fact, there are other Def Leppard records that are later that are considered crap by a lot of people that I actually like better. Yeah, yeah. You must have hated Adrenalize too right after this. You know what? Actually, I didn't, but that might be a situation where I know a lot of people diss that record. That might be a situation where, you know, it just didn't do as well. It's not as fatigued as Hysteria is with me. So that might be yeah. part of the issue. All right, so we're going to take a little bit of a quick break here from playing a little music and talking about craptastic platinum records and talk about the Loud Minority Facebook group. So there's two ways you guys can really reach out to us, communicate with us, and that is one, by going to Facebook and joining the Loud Minority Facebook group, also known as the Grown Up Rock 
loud minority Facebook group. It's a private group, so we get away with saying whatever we want, but mostly we talk about music and entertainment, no politics and no Really, it's pretty positive um, group of people. We basically talk about the podcast, gather ideas for the podcast, and um, yeah, it's a it's a good group of folks. Share music videos, things like that. The other way that you can communicate with us is by emailing us at growinguprock at gmail dot com. It's one word: g r o w i n u p r o c k at gmail dot com. Simple as that. So we always like to hear from you guys, communicate with us, tell us what you're digging, and uh, we'll go from there. That's about our public service announcement. Now let's get back to the platinum crap. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So you pissed everybody off with Def Leppard. I'm going to piss everybody off by talking about the Prince of Darkness. Oh, shit. This goddamn Ultimate Sin album, double <laughs> platinum. I just cannot believe it. Knock, knock. Who's there? Shh. Look. Shh. Let me tell you a little story about a man named Shh. Shh. Even before you start, that was a preemptive Shh. Just know I have a whole bag of Shh. With your name on it. Right. Released in February 86. It got to number six on the Billboard 200. Shot in the Dark was on the Billboard 100 at number 68. And that's really all of the stats around it. Why did this thing go double platinum? Well, because Ozzy shits platinum. Like, that's just what he does. (laughs) And after Blizzard, after Diary, after Bark at the Moon, I think, you know, his names in the news a lot because Randy dies and he's still got the Black Sabbath moniker and Black Sabbath struggling a little bit and he's coming out of the shadows and um, Sharon really knows what she's doing and there's some great riffs on this thing. I'm not going to deny that, but uh, the the songs are just complete shit. Like I can stomach the ultimate sin. Secret Loser is completely boring. Never know why it's complete trash and that rock, rock, rock thing is completely lazy. Thank God for the bomb is brutal. Never at least has a good guitar rift, uh, but at least it's listenable. Lightning Strikes, I will tell you, is listenable. Killer of Giants is, oh my God, just brutal. Fool like you. I know he was trying to make a radio song. He missed. The fuck is Sonny Pony? And probably the best song on the album is Shot in the Dark. If there's no MTV and there's no Jake, I never listen to this album. There's no way I ever give this another chance. The best thing about it, really, honestly, besides being able to stomach three songs on it, is the hot cartoon chick on the cover. That That's about it. Besides that, it's three good songs that I might listen to every once in a while. Shot in the Dark and Ultimate Sin, if the video came on MTV, I wouldn't completely shut it off. But besides that, no female bought this album, and thank God they didn't have to go through the pain, because this album is complete shit.
There you go. <laughs> wow. Okay. Holy cow. Double platinum. That's unbelievable. Holy cow. Well, it should have been quadruple platinum compared, oh my God. compared to that album, Bark at the Moon. What, what was Bark <laughs> at the Moon? Do you remember what that went? I'm not sure, actually. God, um, Bark at the Moon was uh, apparently the ultimate sin for me. Uh, uh, your ultimate Three times sin. platinum. Three platinum. God damn. Ultimate <laughs> Sin was about 5,000 times better than Bark at the Moon, the album. Bark at the Moon, the song was good. Got no problem with it. Rock and Roll Rebel, also good. The rest of that record sucks. But let's talk about the Ultimate Sin a little bit. I don't think it's that bad of a record. I've heard people say that they didn't feel like the production was very good on that record and it needed to be re-recorded. But I really liked the Ultimate Sin, the song. I liked Never. I liked Killer Giants. I liked Lightning Strikes. I love Lightning Strikes. And who can argue with... Ozzy dressed up in shiny sequin spandex and toenails with no shoes and his toenails painted. I mean, come on now. That's good shit in that video. Jake looking cool. I mean, come on. That's worth platinum right there, buddy. Yeah. I, wow. I just, the songwriting is just so bad. Uh, it's, uh, it's a really hard listen. That nine songs is only about 38 minutes, I think. And it was excruciating 38 minutes. You try dressing up Shelly Winters in a bunch of spandex <laughs> and getting her to sing. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't doing that in the studio, was he? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's why it didn't do very well. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I've heard worse uh, picks, but yeah. Uh, well, so it's interesting between your second pick and my third pick, we're probably going to get, I'm pretty sure nobody's going to listen to this show anymore after this episode. Wait till you hear my third pick. Okay. People are going to shut it off in the middle. Okay, so we, so far we've dissed uh, Quiet Riot, Def Leppard, Ozzy, and Queensryche. All right, well, you probably won't get too much hatred for that. But uh, <laughs> All right, so my third pick, I'll preface this by saying I like this band. I love this band. Not my favorite album, and certainly... Uh, driven by one song and in fact uh, we on the podcast here in another episode gave this song its own kind of thing and called it the home sweet home effect uh, on another episode i'm talking about motley Crue's theater of pain so theater of pain is the third studio album by american rockers Motley Crue, released on June 21st of 1985, released in the aftermath of lead vocalist Vince Neil's arrest for manslaughter on a drunk driving charge. We all know the story. The album marked the beginning of the band's transition away from traditional heavy metal of Shout at the Devil towards a glam metal style, but I would argue that they were sort of glam metal on Too Fast for Love. Anyway... They were a tremendous influence on the heavy metal genre for the remainder of the decade. And I think that that is all very true because with Theater of Pain, they spawned a shitload of glam bands off the Sunset Strip. Theater of Pain contains the hit singles Smoking in the Boys Room, Crap, and the power ballad Home Sweet Home. The album reached number six in the U.S., and number 36 in the UK and was certified quadruple platinum 
by the RIAA on June 5th of 1995. This record to me is super weak. My favorite tunes are songs like Louder Than Hell, Use It or Lose It, Keep Your Eye on the Money, and Tonight. I think this album sounds thin except for the drums. The drums sound pretty great. But crap to me, Home Sweet Home, maybe that's a little fatigued. I can't say that it's a bad song. It's a ballad. I get it. But 
Smoking in the Boys Room, Save Our Souls, Raise Your Hands for Rock. I mean, it's a lot of filler on this record. It's just not a great record, in my opinion. They have so much better stuff, uh, and this is not one of them. So that's my feelings with Theater of Pain from Motley Crue. So it made my list. It did not make the three I'm talking about today because this would have been on the list. Because to me, the two best things about this album is they made a fun video for smoking in the boys room, which when you couple that with hot for teacher, a lot more fun videos came later in MTV years. I think people are looking at those going, okay, you can have fun videos too. They don't have to be all dungeons and dragons and all that kind of stuff with Elliot running or, you know, getting spun around on some circle thing. I don't understand to begin with and carrying a sword. That's three times his size. Like I don't understand any of that stuff. Anyway, <laughs> the other thing it did was there was no more tops on women. Anytime I went to a Motley Crue show because of that thing in home sweet home where she's pulling off her top, right? That cemented not having any tops in poison shows and Motley Crue shows and Def Leppard shows and kiss shows. So thank you, Motley Crue. But that was about the two best things from this album. I've got a big story for you. Mm -hmm. And it's right here. Well, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Pointed to your boobies. Oh my God, you did. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with showing love to the titties. I think, <laughs> I think we can, I think we can all safely say that. Right. But <laughs> that's right. But yeah. I like to have music that goes along with it and smoke in the boys room. You're absolutely right. The video was fun. I did enjoy the video. I don't dig that song that much and uh home sweet home fatigue and just, enough already with that i think that they had a good tour to support this record uh, because if you remember that's the first time that tommy's drum riser went to a 90 degree angle right that was his first phase of his crazy drums was the theater of pain tour and so uh it was a good tour to support it but yeah i just i don't love that record uh the record starts off with city boy blues which was meh to me uh, hit us with your last one. What do we got? What What are people going to uh, throw uh, rotten eggs and apples at the Grown Up Rock podcast for? The absolute worst five-time platinum-selling album ever. It's out of the 10 songs. There's one good song, in my opinion, and two I tolerate. And that is released in May 88, Poisons Open Up and Say Ah. Dude, this album is brutal it got to number two on the billboard 200 because faith by george michael was number one nothing but a good time hit the top six on billboard 100 fallen angel went to 12 and that goddamn every rose has its thorn went to number one mama don't dance went to number 10 and that is the absolute worst version of that song ever I cannot handle Back to the Rocking Horse because the Humpty Dumpty lyrics. I don't like the harmonica and the Grease soundtrack shit they're trying to do on Good Love. Nothing about Tearing Down the Walls is good. Look But Can't Touch is like pseudo white boy rap. Every Rose Has His Thorn is possibly the worst ballad ever. Your Mama Don't Dance, terrible version. And Bad to Be Good, Brett doesn't have the swagger to sell that song. The only ones I can stomach is Love on the Rocks, Nothing But a Good Time, And I would say the best song on this album is Fallen Angel because of the groove and the guitar and the melody. I get it why it went five times platinum. The looks, the party, the videos, 
the female audience, the CC Brett train wreck, the great debut album. But why I hate it is I cannot handle Brett's vocal because it's brutal for long periods of time. And reality is they're just trying to do too many things here. If they would have had 10, nothing but a good times or 10 love on the rocks. Yes. I guess you could have called them ACDC and every song sounds the same, but at least it would have been something consistent, repeat rinse. And they become this poison kind of sound, but they went from this to the following albums ended up being like more blues and more like country rock. And they just lost after that first album, they just kind of lost me. So I literally never go to this album. I cannot believe it sold 5 million copies.
The opinions and views of Sonny Hollywood Pooney <laughs> do not necessarily reflect those of the Grown Up Rock Podcast <laughs> or its subsequent host, <laughs> Stephen Michael. So I like Open Up and Say Ah. I actually like Open Up and Say Ah better than, way better, actually, than that debut album. I think that that debut album is one that I didn't think about that would have hit my list for this episode because that debut album, short of Look What the Cat Dragged In and maybe Talk Dirty to Me, there's nothing else on that record worth a shit to me. <laughs> so I like Open Up and Say I. I like Love on the Rocks. I like Rockin' Horse. Nothing But a Good Time's absolute classic. Could give two shits about Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Your Mama Don't Dance, Throwaway Cover. Same thing. What else is on that record? Bad to be good. Good love with the harmonica. Like the good love the thing is a good idea. I just don't like Brett doing it. Yeah, good love's one of those tunes I tolerate. It's all right. That record has more that I like than I don't like by far. And it's hard to say that that's my favorite Poison record because I'd have to put them all side by side. And Poison is another one of those bands that I'll rank maybe just ahead of a band like Quiet Riot where... I like a lot of it, but I don't love every record start to finish. But hey, I get it. It just would have been the first record for me. You like that first record? <laughs> yeah, I actually do like the first record because I think the first record is it's fun. It's a little bit raw and it's a little bit more consistent all the way through. So I can handle the fun, Brett. I don't like the country wannabe R&B slash rap want to be honky-tonk Brett. Like, I don't like that, Brett. That debut is raw because it's a freaking demo tape and it sounds like shite. I don't think so. I think it sounds pretty good. I like it. Mm. I, I, I liked it from the day I heard it. So it's just difference opinion, you know? I love the first Cinderella record. It's a desert island for me. Yeah. The, as soon as they get to the second record, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, and all of a sudden this blues and blah, blah. It's like, why does every rocker want to be blues all of a sudden? Okay, I get it. It's 1988. And everybody wants to be wanted dead or alive with their little cowboy hat going on. But not everybody can pull that off. I thought about Heartbreak Station as being one of the records that uh, ended <laughs> up on my list. You know, but there's none of these records I hate. Like, there's good stuff on all these records, yours included. I mean, there's stuff on your records that I like. There's stuff on these records that I'm throwing out here that I like. But they're just not records that I go back to often. That's all. I usually end up pulling one or two tunes off that I like and throwing them on a playlist, but I guess that's kind of everything these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's another band that's had some platinum records, so uh, let's talk Kiss. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. The Kiss Platinum Albums, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, Dynasty, Animalize, Crazy Nights, Lick It Up. And we're really only talking studio albums. They've got a couple of live albums that went platinum also. But their most popular selling studio album, which went two times platinum, is Kiss Destroyer. And there's about half a Destroyer I like, and there's about half a Destroyer I don't like. So the good part of Destroyer to me, Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, God of Thunder, shout it out loud, do you love me? The not so good, 
is Great Expectations, Flaming Youth, Sweet Pain, and Beth. I don't know why this is always touted as their best. Like, even the KISS members touted as their best. But when you ask the KISS army, you hear more Love Gun, Dress to Kill, Rock and Roll Over, or the first album, more than you hear Destroyer as their favorite. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is Ezrin tried to put kind of a new spin on it, which worked in some things and didn't work in some things. Now, why is this thing double platinum their highest selling album? Well, the classic lineup. Every picture you see is goddamn Destroyer. Even today, if they put out, you know, Kiss Tic Tacs, they got Destroyer makeup on them and the Destroyer iconic costumes. Every member's touted as, you know, the go-to, that's our, our next record's going to be Destroyer, blah, blah, blah. And then their first radio hit was Beth, which didn't hurt the album. To me, I think it's kind of overrated. What are your thoughts? So... I think you nailed it on on the head when you said the majority of the KISS Army, when you ask them, they'll say, Dressed to Kill, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun. You and I were the same in that same place. I mean, you're you're asylum. But for me, I'm, you know, Love Gun and and uh Rock and Roll Over. Destroyer to the average KISS band has Detroit Rock City, Shout It Out Loud, Beth. <laughs> and those those are the big popular tunes, the most popular tunes for Kiss. Uh, and to your point, everything that they promote has that Destroyer look to it. So I think that's why people keep looking to that record. I mean, I'm with you. I'm kind of half the record is good, but songs like Great Expectation it's just shit, Beth. I mean, Beth is shit for me personally. I don't care how big that song was or whether it saved Kiss or not. I don't give two shits about it. It's a horrible song. I hate it. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I don't. I don't dislike uh, Sweet Pain and Flaming Youth as much as you do. I think they're okay. I mean, they're not my favorites off that record by any means, but I don't dislike them that much. Yeah, it's very interesting. If Flaming Youth or Sweet Pain was on Rock and Roll Over or Love Gun, people would shit on them constantly. They get a break on this album because Great Expectations and Beth is so bad. God, Great Expectations, that song ranks up there with just a boy. I mean, that's fucking <laughs> awful. <laughs> that song is awful. That is by far in my, probably my top five worst kiss songs easily. <laughs> You don't count that piece of shit at the end of the album as a real song, do you? No, no, no. Okay, so for the Kistork moment, the song we're going to play from a band called American Dog from Columbus, Ohio. Been around since 1999. They got a bunch of albums out there. They released something on 2013's A World with Heroes tribute CD. The band members are Michael Harris on drums, Vinny Salvatore on guitar, Steve Thedo on guitar, and a guy named Michael Hannon doing bass and vocals, and if that name rings a bell a little bit, he was in Salty Dog, and he was in Dangerous Toys for a while. Here is American Dog's version of the Kiss classic, God of Thunder.
so I've never heard of this band. Uh, I actually thought I heard of them, but uh, the band that I was thinking of was this band called American Shame that I own one album of that I like quite a bit. But American Dog, I never heard of. But I got to tell you, when you have songs like Merry Christmas Asshole and <laughs> Magnificent Bastard and Bullshit Goddammit, <laughs> I mean, those are awesome song titles. So I definitely am in for the listen. I think their hits, Drank Too Much and Shit Kicker, are really good. And then Sometimes You Eat the Pussy. That probably was a top 10 hit as I read through. (laughs) Uh, By the way, I'm not making these song titles up. This is shit I'm actually reading. Oh, my God. Merry Christmas, asshole. That's going to become a new holiday classic for me. (laughs) I don't know. For me, uh, I didn't love this version because part of my love for God of Thunder is the groove. And so I think sped up like that, it just it loses all that for me. Not a great version for me, but that's why I don't like it is, is because it loses that, uh, that groove. Yeah, there's uh, so, you know, kind of rounding this topic up. I have some top 10 bands that I absolutely love, but not everything they do I love. And I think that's okay. Right. Even with a band like Hailstorm, which I think can do no wrong. They've got some songs out there. I'm like, dude, what is that? Right. Or Stripers got a couple of albums. I'm like, "Eh, I don't know about that album. You know, so it happens. Uh, I think that's okay. It's just, it's so interesting that there was a smidgen in time and that time doesn't exist anymore where because you didn't have a Spotify, because you couldn't hear just one or two tracks that. There's a band out there that you love. They're coming off a triple album, a quadruple platinum album, and you are waiting, 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 waiting. And here comes the album. It goes platinum almost immediately and goes top five on the charts. And then two weeks later is never to be heard from again because people actually hear the album go, oh my God, that was absolute horrible. And then at times you never heard of the band again or They kept releasing albums nobody cared about because I can honestly say the next 10 Queensryche albums put together didn't go platinum. It also went the other way. So to your point, it was a time and a place for this platinum thing to happen, which is for rock and roll. I just don't think it's ever going to happen again. But there were records that sold on the strength of a single that I think the single is meh but the album is awesome. Who can deny the fact that over a million soccer moms went out and bought Extreme's porno graffiti and put it on, and when they heard Decadence dance, they were like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) But you and I, for, for you and I, those are Desert Island records, right? That's a Desert Island record, but soccer moms push that thing to multi-platinum on the strength of more than words, period, end of story. Yeah, and I've told you that story before, I think. I'm working in electronic selling music and movies as part of my career when porno graffiti came out, right? So again, back in the day, there wasn't Shazam or whatever. So somebody would come up and say, hey, I'm looking for this song. And then they would try to sing or mouth or, you know, I remember a lady going, well, you know, it's like this, it looks like a kind of a Jewish, Jewish Italian boy and like this Indian kid kind of singing together. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever heard that song before. And I'm like, lady, here's the song. 
or here's the album. You may want to buy the single because the rest of this record don't sound like that song. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, all right, there's no returns after you open this. I'm going to tell you that right now. You sure you don't want to go buy the single? And no, 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 I'm good. And I remember shaking my head from people who you could just tell from the people who were buying the album yeah. that I'm like, oh, they're not going to be happy when they get home. You mean she didn't like little Jack Horny? <laughs> or when I'm president? <laughs> or it's a monster? Yeah. Oh, my God. Just hearing you say single made my heart this big. <laughs> oh, that was like a little trip back to my youth. It was so fantastic, the single. I forgot about those. Hey, uh, you know, not that I want to make an Apple ad or anything, but I got to tell you, I absolutely love the fact with the new Apple iOS that they integrated. Integrated? <laughs> Yeah. They, integrated. They integrated uh, Shazam into the software. So now you can just kind of swipe and get Shazam to listen to a song and tell you what it is. It's fantastic, uh, especially when you're watching a TV show and you don't know what the song is. Good shit. Yeah, yeah. Shazam is the best thing ever because there's times where a song will end up in my head and I'm like, I have no idea where that's coming from. And, you know, I used to use tone as Shazam. Like I, I would be in a record store and a song would enter my head and I don't got nobody to ask. So I would call tone and say, all right, for some reason, this part of the song, I don't know what song it is. It's stuck in my head. What is it? And somehow he would just know, but I don't, you know, he's, he doesn't know how to add two plus two, but he can tell you what song it is. <laughs> it's that golden dome of his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must be something, but no great topic. I think, you know, we might be able to do another episode or two on this. Cause I think there's some gold crap out there too. Yeah. I'll be interested <laughs> to hear the feedback on this one because we picked some pretty, uh, we picked some pretty loved records. I mean, for sure. I picked a couple of loved records. So people might want to have my ass or tell me I'm crazy, but it is what it is. Like you said, it's an opinion thing. There's not a band that I'm a fan of that doesn't have something that I don't necessarily like more song wise than album wise, but there are definitely, even with the Van Halen's and, you know, Judas Priest and bands like this that I absolutely love that are in my top 10, there are albums that I don't necessarily go to whether they're platinum or not. I don't know, but you know, they're just records that I don't gravitate towards for a number of reasons. So it's all good. Yeah, and I, I got the same thing, right? Like, I own everything Sammy Hagar, but I've got some pristine Sammy Hagar albums, like the first two or three that I've not listened to more than one time. They're yeah. in perfect condition, and I have no reason to ever listen to them again. Yeah, that's good. It was an interesting topic. Uh, so that'll be fun to get feedback on this record. Let us know what you thought of the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. Let us know what you thought of this topic. Uh, and if you've got any of your own, tell us what your platinum crap is. What a title, platinum crap. Uh, <laughs> so tell us what your title is. Remember, coming up in December, we've got a full-on month dedicated to King Edward Van Halen, and we got different themes coming up just tied to Van Halen in some way, shape, or form for the month of December. So uh, we've invited a few of our friends along to come help us celebrate the music of Van Halen. So hopefully you guys will enjoy December. Uh, anything else? Nope. Thanks for listening. And yes, there was a bunch of 
crappy grunge that went platinum, but you know, we took enough shots at them a few months ago, so we were going to leave them alone. Otherwise, this was going to be another grunge episode. So we left them alone. So thanks for listening. And I'm glad we did that because, yes, that would have been really easy to go there, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. We will talk to you guys next week. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.